You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to cloneawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember... This is a deal that cannot be cloned. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five finger shuffle and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging or illness. That's where we come in if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at GetBumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to the show, friends, and welcome to the very first episode of Disability After Dark of the new year of 2023. Welcome to the show. Let's enter 2023 quietly and carefully, and let's not touch anything, and hope that this year goes better than 2022. Cool, friends. So, let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and get this very first episode of Disability After Dark, 2023. 
2023 started. If for some reason this is the first time you've ever listened to the show or you're just starting out listening on episodes, my name is Andrew Gerza. I'm a disability awareness consultant and disabled content creator, as well as the host of this amazing podcast. And on this show, we shine a bright light on disability stories. We have great interviews with disabled guests, and we do a lot of cool stuff here around disability and sexuality and relationships and just the experience of being disabled. My goal with the show is to tell disabled stories and tell what disability is like for a lot of us and, and put that into a platform like my show. Um, and I, uh, I myself, am a person with disabilities. Obviously, I have cerebral palsy, but um, we do really, really cool, different kind of stuff on this show, and, and thank you for being here. And if you're a long-time listener, thank you for continuing to be here. I appreciate it. And uh, enough of my rambling, and let's get started today. So on top of hosting this amazing podcast every two weeks, I also do a lot of work as a freelancer. So I do work with brands and with companies to ensure that they're including disability everywhere. I also do a lot of social media work, as you've seen if you follow me on social media, and you can do that at, at andgerza, A-N-D-R-G-U-R-Z-A, on all the places on socials, but I do a lot of work for brands, ensuring that they understand that disability should be a part of every discussion. And one of the brands that I've been working with this past year is QCare Plus. They provide um, HIV-negative adults the chance to be to take charge of their sexual health and get PrEP delivered to their home to remain HIV negative and just take charge of their sexual health. And, and they approached me this past year and said, can we work with you to write some content around disability in our company and how important um, HIV testing and, and testing is and PrEP is for the, for the queer community and how disability can be included there. And I was like, of course, sure. So I did some articles for them on why at-home testing and at-home testing kits are more accessible for disabled folks and why having PrEP brought to your door is more accessible than sometimes going to a clinic for a lot of us with disabilities. And that was really cool. And then they said to me, well, would you be, would you want to talk to our president of QCare Plus just about the needs of access around testing and that kind of stuff, and also give the president a chance to talk to you about and ask questions around disability and, and just kind of learn from you as a disabled person. I was like, sure. And they were like, do you want to have him on the podcast? And I was like, of course I do. So that's what this episode is going to be about. And let me tell you all about the president of QCare Plus and my guest today. My guest today is Quentin Raspberry, who is the president of, of QCare Plus, and we talk a lot about the need for accessible testing in terms of HIV testing and and prep delivery and why that's important. But we all, I also give him the chance to ask me questions around sex and disability and sexuality and disability because I really think the one of the ways that we combat ableism is by allowing non-disabled folks to ask questions and non-disabled folks to learn by asking questions. And that's one of the things that I love doing with this platform is giving non-disabled folks the chance to 
without shame or without fear of being rebuked. Just ask questions and just learn about disability through just talking about it openly. And that's what, what I did with Quentin on this episode today. And I was really, really excited to bring him on and to chat with him and to have him be a part of the show and to talk about why QCare Plus is an accessible option for a lot of disabled folks or could be an accessible option for a lot of us in terms of HIV testing and that kind of stuff and, and prep prep providing in the home and having it delivered to your door. But also, I loved just talking with him about disability and having him giving him a free space to be vulnerable and to ask questions and to learn from me. And that's what we did today. And so that's what you'll hear on this episode. And I hope you enjoy it. And so without further ado, and no more of my rambling, here's my interview with QCare President, sorry, QCare Plus President, Quentin Raspberry, right now on the first episode of 2023 of Disability After Dark. Quentin Raspberry, hello. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for coming on my little podcast, Disability After Dark. I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you and and learn from you and and discuss with QCare Plus. Yeah, no, I've done some, I full disclosure for the listener, I've been doing some work for QCare Plus around disability and prep and talking about all those things and doing some articles for for your awesome company. So this is a bit of a this is a bit of a different episode because we we kind of work together. So it's just letting the listener know that yes, there will be a lot of stuff around prep and disability today around a company that I think is doing great stuff. So get ready for all that. But can you, Quentin, introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Quentin Raspberry. Um, I am the president and founder of QCare Plus. Um, QCare Plus is a virtual platform where we're able to connect with folks uh, to help them get access to prep. So we offer prep through through prep delivered to your home as easy as possible by removing as many barriers as possible by utilizing telemedicine, um, our community-based organization partnerships, and pharmacy delivery. That's awesome. And you know th- that's one of the reasons why when you when you, when Megan from your company reached out to me and said, you know, would you want to? Can we talk about this? I was like, yeah, this needs to be talked about because disability totally is impacted by some of, some of the barriers to disability and testing are all those things: not being able to get there, not being able to, you know, find a, a care provider that's competent in disability, and if you can do it from home, it's so much better. Absolutely. Any way that we can remove stigma, or the, whether that's through uh, kind of in, more impersonal and talking through a screen instead of going in person, um, and and any way that we can get around any stigma about even talking about sexual health, it's it's a big win, uh, especially yeah. in areas like the South where stigma is so much very much alive, and 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 in states even in today's political climate around LGBT plus members. I think it's very important that we continue to talk about that and talk about how we overcome some barriers for everyone. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, and, and a lot of what I do in the work that I do is talking about the same thing, just from a more disability-centric lens of like, oh, there's a barrier to me accessing sexuality, or there's a barrier to me accessing testing, or there's a barrier to me accessing queer community because of disability. So 
you know, it, we're doing similar work on different on different planes, of course. But I think it's really cool that we've come together. Um, yeah, it's been very inspiring to 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 learn from you and learn about you and learn and just learn, you know, about ableism and also reflect on myself personally and and with our team members um, as as we all offer our mind up to to provide better care, especially in these different um, different pocket spaces where there's a lot of room for growth. Exactly. And I think the more the more that I can use my platform to help everybody learn, but particularly um, helping non-disabled queer folks learn about disability and learn about why it's important that we talk about it. That's really cool. So when you agreed to come on, I was like, oh, this will be such a fun conversation. I'm so happy you're here. Um, One of the so I want to crack into it and get started. One of the first things that I would love for you to explain to us, because a lot of people listening might not know what PrEP is and might not know um, what U equals U is and might not know about HIV neutrality. Can you kind of give us a quick definition of what those things are? Yeah, absolutely. I will start with PrEP. So PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, which means, you know, stopping HIV before you're exposed to HIV. And so PrEP can, uh, PrEP is either a once daily medication or now there are additional options like bimonthly injections that are available for for, um, for for people who are interested in PrEP. PrEP is for anyone who is sexually active, not just LGBTQ, not just gay men, but yeah. anyone who's sexually active that might be at risk for HIV. Um, and, you know, the way that we look at it, you know, while, you know, we have the PrEP space to help keep people maintain um, their HIV negative status, there's also the term U equals U, which means undetectable equals untransmittable. And this is very important because this is backed by science stating that people who are HIV positive, whom are undetectable, which means that the virus is so low in, in their bodies that they cannot physically transmit that to someone else, means they, they, they cannot, that it's un, untransmittable. Uh, so undetectable equals untransmittable. You know, folks, uh, to become un- undetectable, they must be on medications to help re- suppress that virus in their bodies. Yep. And we look at that from, as you mentioned, a um, from an HIV neutrality space, meaning no matter, it doesn't matter if you're HIV positive or you're HIV negative, you can still have the same quality of life and live a long, healthy life. And I'm, I and and basically, I love this term because it's, I think it's so interesting. Fuck without fear, um, you know. We, there's so much fear around HIV and and contracting HIV, but you know, folks who who contract HIV or who live with HIV, it's like living with anything else. Yeah, and it's totally maintainable and it's totally controllable um, as long as you have access to care um, and access to to remaining undetectable. In a lot of spaces. HIV is considered a disability from by a lot of different different provinces and states and places in the world considered a disability. I consider it a disability. And I think, you know, you talked a second ago about, you know, fucking without fear. And I think when we, you know, I, I feel the same way around my disability and my experience of being a disabled person of like, people are so afraid to engage with me sexually or to engage with me as like, a fellow queer person in a sexy space because they have all this misconception around disability. And I, you know, I know there are so many misconceptions around being HIV positive and what all that means. And so I think 
we're talking about very similar things of just the ignorance within our community that needs to be wiped out. I think wiped out and educated, right? I think there's a lot of space for education around in both spaces around educating, um, looking at PrEP and looking at even HIV treatment or understanding diagnosis, not as just medication as a, as a whole or just say the the solution to everything. I think looking at it as a, a, a full circle, is it routine testing? Is it understanding my sexual risk? Is it understanding how to mitigate my risk? And what tools are available for me to mitigate my sexual risk? And what tools are available for me to, to, you know, to live a happy, healthy life? And I think this kind of goes similar into around ableism and, and disableism. You know, what tools do you need to, to, you know, to, to really, to be able to, to live that, that life and, and have that life quality that you're looking for? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, um, I think I love that you're trying to make a tool that is accessible. And so as soon as, as soon as I was told about what it was, I was like, oh, this is so right in line with, with disability and how important it is. I know that, um, 13%, 13.7% of people with, with disability in the U.S. have mobility issues. So they're wheelchair users. They can't, they need walkers and canes and different things or they have chronic pain. Um, I kind of know this, but I want to ask you, how might you think mobility challenges could discourage or limit somebody from getting tested for STIs or HIV? You know, I think it's all about even the locations of testing locations, um, you know, accessing it. Are there, are there wheelchair, wheelchair ramps? Are there uh, solutions available for folks uh, to access those testing? I think the other thing too, when it comes to for, for folks, even in healthcare settings, is realizing that everyone can be sexually active, regardless of of their situation. And I think sometimes that is one of the biggest challenges. Is like, hey, these people are everyone can be sexually active, and everyone has the rights to healthcare and right to testing, um, and and making sure it's accessible. Whether that's you know, in um nurses, providers, welcome staff, receptionists. Yeah, everybody from the whole table to go into the door. Yeah, from the user journey all the way through to thank you for testing me, I'll see you later. There should be access and there oftentimes for different reasons, like racism, ableism, misogyny, transphobia, There, there's so much not, that's not happening so much and I think that's a huge problem. Um, and so how do you think Q care, Q care plus can fill in the gaps through the work you're doing. It it really starts with how easy our platform is to use to, to sign up. Um, it takes less than five minutes by going to qcareplus.com, creating a profile and scheduling a visit with your providers. Our provider staff are very passionate about delivering the best care possible and actually connecting with our patients. Um, our providers are specialists around PrEP and HIV. And, and work to overcome any challenges and continue to learn to overcome challenges that patients might face from patients from different racial backgrounds, from different language services, and different needs of testing, whether that's in person or most commonly at home. Um, being able to do things at home give people a level, a level of comfort and flexibility. I think flexibility is the, the key word there around accessing times, accessing places for care, and be able to do it within the comfort of your own home. I mean, I would say the the key word that really what we're getting at, yes, flexibility, but also access. 
is a key word of what we're talking about. Like, it's just providing access and providing the comfort of knowing that I don't have to worry about trying to get in a bus to go to my provider or trying to get through the snow to go to my provider or to try to worry about, do am I going to have an attendant with me? Is it going to be embarrassing? Are they going to know what to do? I can do it right from the comfort and safety of my accessible apartment. And I mean, that's really important. Um, I would even say like, even being able to talk with your provider is very important. Yeah. There's even, you know, and I'm sure even as a, as somebody who is, you know, disabled, sometimes the providers not might might not be ready or even open, like even talk to you about it. And sometimes the patients are proud of themselves. Oftentimes they're not. When I talk about if I and my provider is great, but if I do go to her and I have to talk about sex and or like my sexual and so she's really good with the testing, no problem. But if I have to be like upfront about what kind of what we're doing, she can be a little bit like, oh, okay, I'm not sure how to deal with that. And it's like, but cool, I'm. I still have sex. Like we got to talk about it. So let's figure it out. So um, I think that providers need to be, need to be less, need to confront their own ableism around disability. Mm-hmm. And then we can start talking about it. Um, I wanted to shift a little bit. Cause I do have a question I want to ask you that I, that we, it's not written down here. <laughs> um, how do you think that you, Quentin, have confronted your own ableism in in your life yeah absolutely i i think it's all about learning and exposing yourself to different people from different walks backgrounds and really trying to understand you know challenges that other people have gone through and you know i i do have friends that family that, that members that are disabled and i'm constantly learning uh from them of their challenges and i get sometimes very upset over the challenges they, they face yeah, uh, and and also you know w- want to work to empower them to face those and and address those. Um, I think some of the really cool things for me even is it's actually seeing it in person. You know, with QCare, we partner with a lot of community-based organizations and a lot of LGBTQ-focused events uh, where we're out and about and meeting people. And uh, one one experience uh, from this this past winter last year, uh, we sponsored Mammoth Gay Ski Week in Mammoth, California. And, you know, I was judging the, I was one of the judges of the panelists on the ski competition. And uh, they had a disabled person who was in a wheelchair who was skiing and competing. And he was absolutely amazing. And just to see the joy and excitement from this person facing, you know, facing, you know, everything that gets him that or to, to ski and having the courage to really, and just honestly, just kill it. <laughs> on the slopes I can't even go down the slopes so I was super impressed and so I just love uh seeing people step out of their comfort zone and address um and 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 live their and live their truths and live their lives I think that's so awesome and and I like I I definitely can't ski and I'll never <laughs> do it the whole idea is very and I've thought about like adaptive skiing and the whole idea is very terrifying to me it's like no no someone else can do that thank you very much I'll be over here drinking coffee it's fine no no thank Bunny you. slopes are terrifying for me so. yeah yeah the whole idea makes me just so scared uh so we know that people living with HIV and AIDS in in the U.S. are protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act and are considered disabled and I kind of mentioned that earlier but how do you see people living with HIV being discriminated against today in 2023? Um, I think, you know, around sexual partners, you know, even danger of disclosing their status, uh, if someone has a positive, it is positive, 
it it's it's that is their status to own and that is their their privacy and their their health information that is rightfully only theirs and it, you know there are a lot of just misconceptions around hiv and how it's contracted um and especially along some communities where there is a large stigma where it's just not talked about at all and yeah. so one you know educate helping people you know people need to be educated around what hiv is and how it's transmitted um yeah. And, and again, not being discriminated against sexual partners or, you know, in any way from this private medical condition that you may or may not have. I mean, I think one of the biggest areas of discrimination that I've seen when it comes to HIV and disability is when you go on like Scruff or Grindr and, and you're talking to a guy and the guy's second question is, are you clean? And it's like, well, that's, are we, what are we even doing? Like what, how did, why would you ask? No, if I, oh, such a horrible question. It makes me so angry. And, I, you know, I think of that because I get asked similar questions on the app as a person with a disability, a physical disability. I get asked, does my dick work? Can I get hard? Like, will I even enjoy myself? I get asked like, so many weird questions around my body. And it's so the discrimination towards just pe- like people with disabilities on the app, whether we're talking about HIV or physical disability is so upsetting because the app in a way is accessible because you're like, cool, I don't have to go to a bar. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I can just tap and maybe meet somebody. And then you get confronted with the ableism. Um, and it's just such a shame. No, I, I completely agree. I, I feel the same as, you know, around people who, who have statuses or may not be on prep, you know, people are judged or even people who are on prep are sometimes judged as, you know, there's a term when, when prep first came out, of, you know, Travadahor. And that it led to more STIs. You know, STIs are are treatable and preventable. And everybody well. fucking gets them. Everybody get <laughs> like it's like everybody has it. It's fine. Like I, I'll be really honest. I have, you know, I have sometimes have have herpes flares. And I remember when I first got one, I was so so embarrassed because I was like, great, I have a disability. I'm already physically disabled. Like someone's gonna. Not only is my, is my provider going to know that I have this, but also my caregivers are going to have to know. I'm going to have to be like super upfront. And I was, and it was fine and everything was worked out, but it was so uncomfortable the level of the way it's talked about in our community. And I, I just feel like when you disclose that you have a disability, whether we're talking about HIV or physical disability, all of a sudden you're not sexy anymore. You're not viable. You're not worth someone's time. And I just feel like that's a shame. I, I completely agree, and I, I just, uh, you know, I encourage people to get to know people and and connect on on real life connections instead of what you're reading on a profile, um, you know. And I, I think also a lot of times people who may be um, saying "Are you clean?" and stuff like this, one education, but two, you know, it's just they they're lazy for them not to to learn about you know these tools that exist or. All they have to do is Google it and be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't ask that. That's not appropriate. Oh, no. There's resources that are available. There's there's manners. There's discussions. And, like, I've had sex with some pretty hot HIV-positive people, and it was it's great. It's a good time. Like, and they were fine, and they're on medication, and it was great. And so, like, this, this idea that somebody on HIV, somebody who has HIV is less than i i mean to me it's ableism 100 uh it's completely wrong and i wish that our community would 
connect the dots that when we make fun of somebody with HIV, we're actually being ableist assholes and we really shouldn't. Well, and that's where the HIV neutral, neutrality comes in. And that's one of the things where I don't even ask status anymore because one, I learned to, I learned the tools that are right for me to protect myself. Yeah. And, and I, I, and I know that I'm protecting myself and, and taking the steps to, you know, um, reduce my sexual risk as a, as an individual. And, and so even in, in past when people tell me or, or say, do you want to know? I'm like, yeah, that's up to you. That is your, if you want to tell me I'm here, I'm all ears. And then that's, and I'm happy to hear it. whatever you have to tell me. It's not going to change anything about how I feel or my attraction towards you. And a, a lot of people that catches them really off guard because yeah, they're, like, they're like, what? I, they're like, oh no, I was expecting you to say, uh, yeah, I want to know, like, what's, what's the deal? Like, I like that. And and I wish that people, like, would say the same thing when we're talking about physical disabilities. Like, you, obviously, my it's different than, than HIV because you can see that I'm in a wheelchair and, like, it's very clear that I'm disabled. But I wish they would say, like, you can tell me as little about it or as much as you want to. It doesn't change the fact that I want to get to know you. Like, w- well, for me, with my disabilities, I'm often asked, like like I was saying, really direct questions about, does your junk work? Can you get up? Like can you fuck can you do and it's like well if you got, just got to know me for a minute you would you could see that i could or i can but regardless of like whether i can or not i'm still a person yeah and the i mean the other thing around that too is just like i mean from a different perspective i mean some people are, are smaller or bigger or different shapes than others and so it just takes a little bit of modification yeah People exactly. take more time to get sexually active. You know, they're demisexual. Like there's <laughs> so virgin. Like I just think this this insistence on the apps from especially white cis gay men pushing like you have to look a certain way, be a certain way, you have to be a top or bottom, and I'm neither of those things. And like I'm like I'm a human being, and I want to get to know you. Can we can maybe do stuff? But like if you're a douche, then we can't do it's like. <laughs> So like I wish they stops right there, yeah, yeah, you know, and you and they limit themselves, and it's really sad too. Yeah, they're probably missing out. On, I mean, they are absolutely missing out on a lot of new experiences that might be mind blowing and and eye opening for them. Disabled people are hot, and that includes people with HIV. So they're really missing out. So like, stop being a douche and realize how <laughs> cool we are. And then yeah, um, but I wanted to, I wanted to give you a few minutes because I think in the LGBTQ community there's so much ableism that we have to work against and there's so much misconceptions we don't have enough representation of queer disabled people out in the world so I wanted to give you a chance to sit with me and just ask me questions about disability that you might have had running around your brain that you were like I want to ask somebody this but I'm scared to I think giving you those that that little bit of of time to ask that and giving you the chance to ask tough questions can can bring about education for everybody so I wanted to offer that to you yeah I, I guess you know I think this is more of a learning opportunity for me too and and I just what what are the most common misconceptions that you would say that you hear uh, from from you know uh, able uh, people who are enabled uh the biggest misconceptions are that I can't have sex, that I that I don't want to have sex, which is laughable because I want to have sex all the time. In fact, <laughs> I think I think I have a higher sex drive because 
I've been denied so much of my chance to explore my sexuality. So when the chance arrives, I'm really into it because I'm like, well, I don't want to get to do this again. Um, another misconception is that I shouldn't be having sex. I should be focusing on like accessibility and access and all these different things. And why am I talking about sexuality? Um, another misconception that I hear a lot from, from guys that I've tried to sleep with and people that I've tried to have relationships with. They're like, well, I can't sleep with you because I'm going to hurt you. So I can't be with you because I'm going to, obviously I'm going to hurt you because you're a fragile, like disabled person. So we can't fuck around because I'm going to hurt hurt you. And my response to that is, if I say, ow, you're going to stop, but you don't know what my pain threshold is and you don't know what, what I like and you don't know whether I like pain in my play, which I do, by the way. So just in case you're all wondering. Um, but like, so, you know, you don't know what my, my wants are. So like, I think, and I think all these misconceptions just come about because most people, particularly if we're talking about queer in the queer community, don't have exposure to a lot of disabled people. They, they, if we talk about queer men, they usually, you know, go to their bar, they go to their place, they go to all their stuff and they don't, they see carbon copies of themselves at these places they don't see the hot guy in the wheelchair so when they do they're like oh wow what do i do i have all these i have all these misconceptions about disability and i'm i have no one to teach me about them so i'm going to spew them on you right now and and i guess the other the, i mean the follow-up piece of that too is you know there's there is the the misconceptions but also like i guess you know, are the, the, the fantasization of it and, you know, what, how, how far does that go? You know, I know some people like to live the fantasy or have the fantasy and then like, and it's like, oh, I did it. What, what's that like as a disabled person? And how do you, how do you, co- I guess, cope with those people who are, who are just kind of like exploring? And I guess it's, it could be an opportunity to, to interact with them and blow their minds in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Blow a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, you know, how do I deal with being fetishized? I don't think fetishizing is necessarily, and I say this in big brackets and big caveats, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think that when you dehumanize somebody, that's where the problem is. So I play with the fact that I'm disabled all the time. If you go on my scruff profile right now, my name is Big Dick Crip. Um, if you go on, like, sometimes it's bare in a chair. Like, I play with the fact that I'm disabled and I don't sugarcoat that. And I make it very clear. Like, I, one of the things I say in my profile is something like, do you want to touch my big joystick? Wing, wing, like, for, like, you know, I, I play with the fact that I have a disability. Um, I think where it becomes a problem for me is when all I am is a notch in there. Like, oh yeah, I slept with a disabled guy once and it was really cool and that was great. And then see you later. For me, when I have sex with somebody, because my disability is so involved. Like I need help to get out of my wheelchair. I need help to get in bed. I need help to get positioned. I need help to position to fuck you. I need like, I need all these different things done so that I can engage in sex. So when I do that with somebody, there's a big emotional component of that for me. Like I'm, I'm trusting you with that. And so to think that like 20 years ago, I would have said, Oh yeah, I'll fuck these dudes, whatever. Now as I get older, I'm like, you know what? I want to have relationships i want to get to know somebody even if, even if it's a one night casual thing i have to put so much trust in you that like the wham bam thanks for the blowjob see you later scenarios never i can't really do that 
Okay, awesome. I mean, and and that's very educating for me too to under you know to understand that too. And and also, what what would you tell us so we can educate our providers and you know our patients you, you know who might have questions. You know, what would be the biggest takeaways that we can bring back to our team as we're continuing to to explore and 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 reduce stigma and barriers and, and especially um, for uh, disabled patients. I mean, I think you know, I would I would sit with your providers and be like, hey, you need to think about your own ableism for a minute. Think about times when you've been ableist. Think about times when you've thought something, you know, possibly ableist. Teach them what ableism is because a lot of providers have no idea what we're talking about right now when we say ableism. Teach them what it is. Um, let them ask tough questions around disability that they, like, just like I did with you. And I said, you know, ask them whatever you want. Let them, let them, kind of sit in the discomfort of their lack of knowledge, not in a shameful way, but just to be like, let's really talk about it. I think one of the biggest problems with education around especially disability is that we've been taught over hundreds of years that to talk about someone's disability is to be rude. So instead of talking about it, we don't talk about it, but then all this mythology keeps running around in our heads. I think, and for providers, they're so worried about crossing the line or being inappropriate. I think Getting them to confront their own ableism first is the first step before they can, before they go any further, and then from there, asking questions and being allowed to like look at their own questions around disability that they can then be competent for a patient to come in and say like, "Hey, I've, I have questions." Which is you know, which is a very very similar strategy when it when it comes to even talking sexual health with providers. You know, many providers and maybe primary care facilities. Um, yours or and and other healthcare you know primary care where people are accessing prep or could access prep don't talk sexual history because the, a lot of times even the providers the provider provider doesn't want to talk about it yeah yeah patients who come to us and they're like my provider doesn't believe in it uh, my providers won't ask me don't want to, doesn't want to talk about the sexual history component of of my health and and sexual history is very vital part of everyone's health of like overall and, health and, uh, that's what people it, forget it's not just like you fucked around and then you're fine it's like no all of that plays a role in, in like your overall bodily health and i think it's a shame when disabled people and people with hiv go in and say i want to be treated i want to i want to understand this and the provider goes oh, i don't know what to do like i feel huge parallels between the hiv positive community and the physically disabled community and like the provider has no fucking clue how to help you. And that's really, really stressful because you're like, I'm trying to be responsible. I'm trying to do the thing. And when they don't know what they're doing or don't know how to help you, what happens then is you just don't get tested. You'll still fuck around and do all your stuff with all the people, but you just won't get tested because you're like, well, no one's going to help me. So what do I do? <clears throat> and I think a lot of times, and you know, even, even myself, I've had to educate providers around sexual health and discussing it. I remember one time going to get prep and um, asking for SGI testing, and the, and and the provider told me that you know that I think I had exposure, and I said, well, I think this is, I mean, this is a CDC guidelines, and she literally told me that she was the provider and I was the patient, and I asked her if she wanted those guidelines frontwards or backwards, um, and then she came back into the room with I think the biggest needle possible to draw my blood. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, but those kind of things are so 
it's so shameful that we, we that we live in a world where the provider wants to wear the white coat and be like because I wear the white coat I'm the authority I don't I don't like that it makes me it's always made me feel uncomfortable as, as a disabled person when I and I've told this story before but when I first went to get tested after like 10 years of fucking around and not getting properly tested somebody that I was sleeping with said to me well I think I have this you might want to go check it out so I was like I went to my provider my provider said my doctor at the time said oh no I can't touch you go to the hospital and I was like weird but okay so I went to the hospital like an hour away from where I lived and I get to the I roll up into the, to the ER and I go hi I'm just here for an SCI test because my provider wasn't accessible and they were like why do you, why does someone like you need a test like that? And I was like, because I have sex. I had sex. Like, why is this even a question? So I fully understand how the frustration of like trying to tell you, tell the provider what you need and then being like, no, I refuse to help you. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, patients have to even educate the providers around problems. And there's a lot of times providers like, what is it? I, I had to educate my provider when I started PrEP in 2015 of what PrEP was. And you know, I went through three different providers, doctors, MDs, you know, who were in primary care, one that was specializing in, in, in with, and focusing on gay men to ask for it. And he told me, come back in a week, let me review it. And I appreciate that he like went, studied and learned and, and, and such. But as a patient, I, I came with him with this option, this tool. And I, and I think that's still the case today for a lot of folks, especially in some of the more rural areas. And that's where a solution like QCare Plus really comes in because patients from all over connect with providers who understand, understand how to discuss questions, understand how not to stigmatize. And even, even stigmatizing, we talk about, you know, HIV positive, but even uh, people, people who, who use drugs are, are as well, or you know, that's still, Part of your 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 social history yeah and you know that's a that's a risk and there's ways to mitigate your risk to to exposure to hiv and not shaming people uh, but instead empower them to look at the tools that are available and all the other wraparound services that they may or may want to benefit from um i i think it's a holistic approach to healthcare that we need to focus on uh looking at the at the person and connecting with that person to person and not just a checklist of this is how yeah. we do it. And I think, you know, I think you, you were talking about the provider um, being competent and, and choosing providers through QCare Plus that are competent. We need something similar for disabled patients to log on and be like, hey, I need a provider that knows about cerebral palsy, or I need a provider that knows about this thing, or I need a provider that understands my disability here. And like, we're not getting enough of that. So I think maybe there's a way of like, and this is me just dreaming. Maybe there's a way of like overlapping that competency to bring it to a broader disability audience. I, I completely agree. Awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you more about, I wanted to give you a chance to ask me more questions around disability if you had any. None I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Okay, I had a question for you. Do you think that if you went into a bar and you saw somebody in a wheelchair, do you think that you would be uncomfortable, unsure? Like, how do you think that interaction would go? Because again, we we see so many, so many disabled folks saying, "Well, I can't get into a bar." But if you if 
if magically you could you you saw somebody with a in a wheelchair in the bar, how do you think you would react? You know, I think this you know personal growth five years ago, I'd be like, oh, they're very they're very handsome, but I would have probably friend zone. And yeah. now after years of working in sexual health over a decade, you know, I would say 10 years ago, I absolutely would have done that five years ago, probably would have still been on the fence. But, you know, I, at this point, I, my, my goal is to see everyone as people and, and a connection. And, and so myself personally, I would, I would approach this person and talk to them and see what kind of connections there, regardless of any type of, 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 you know, disability or, or, you know, thing that might, might, question that connection i my my goal as a person is to connect with real people on a real level that's awesome and i think that's so important um what i want oh yeah well, i was gonna ask you something really cool and then i just forgot what it was it was really it was a really i was like yeah it's a great question now i forget what it is um oh yeah because there's so much ableism in our in our community like on the apps and all the stuff we just talked about what do you think if for the broader LGBTQ community listening, how do you think we can eradicate ableism? I I think addressing it head on and 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 coming to terms with ableism and that um I think in a lot of ways similar into some ways racism like that you know some people have inherited ableism that they just need to address. Um, and how and how to overcome and, and change our mindsets to be more inclusive and to be more open-minded um, around around those connections a- instead of just going to what might be kind of programmed or, or in our head or thoughts in our heads uh, that we've ourselves put there or that has been kind of passed down from to us. I think there's a lot of ways that, you know, to, one, educating around that, you can get hard. You can be have sexual experiences and great experiences, and and you know, kind of what you're doing with your platform, I think, is is the is the right approach. And continuing to expand that, and and continuing to to tell every person that we know one person at a time, um, and see what kind of change we can generate about opening minds and changing perspectives. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it it does. It is about one person at a time. And it is about meeting them where they're at. And it is about hoping that, that something you've said or done will make them see that, oh, that was ableist. Maybe I won't do that. Um, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just try to be better. Doesn't mean you have to be better overnight. It just means you have to try. And I think our community needs to recognize that we've, we've upheld the whiteness too much. We've upheld, um, masculinity far too much. And there's so many different shades of people in our community that are like, I'm here too. And I'm deserving of a spot too. I don't even say like even when we look at the at the the even more recent approach and in, in with trans lives and trans patients and and making sure that they are valued and they have access to care. Uh, you know that where there's a lot of people who are like oh yeah I'm into this I'm into this, but you know that 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 population is still part of our population as people yeah. still need access. And they still have that same those same rights as us to be speeded, to be treated with dignity and respect. And there's such a huge overlap of queer, disabled, trans people. Like the, but again, unfortunately, in our communities, when we talk about sexual health or 
One second, bro. Yeah. I want to call. Thank you so much. <laughs> No worries. Right. It's all good. No worries. Uh, what was I say? Yeah. So there's a huge overlap between queer, trans, and disabled lives. And I think, you know, it's so important to talk about that. But, you know, shamefully, when we go on the apps and we, all we see is, you know, white, able-bodied men who are like, I'm down to fuck. And the rest of us are like, hey, we're here too. And I just wish that we would recognize that all of that stuff you're promoting all of that like that like the best body the most beautiful person all that stuff that's being promoted on those spaces is super ableist and super transphobic i i I agree and i think even like from from learning like from even advertising and seeing people's interactions with advertisements a lot of times for us is very eye-opening um because sometimes with even around body positivity you know there isn't the the attraction of some of of, of the uh, people who are the people that you're discussing who yeah. have like the six point the six pack abs and such and and trying to find that balance different representation while while reaching people of course to to interact with the, the ads but also creating safe spaces and education and and that's where you know you've you've helped us and helped Q Care and helped myself and, and my team really understand you know how we can maybe have some some mix of that from our from our inclusion on our website inclusion on our social media and our blogs um, and, and so thank you for that. Oh no, it's such a pleasure, and I'm so glad. Like I was so happy when you your when Q Care reached out and said we want to partner with you on this stuff because I was like it's about fucking time that we talk about this and like i'm glad that a company is finally doing it um so one of the cool things about your about q care plus is that it's in home testing and some people might need like me if i had a test kit brought to my home i would need somebody i would need my attending care worker to help me do it how do you like can you talk about um some resources that people can find on how they can correctly use at home testing kits yeah, absolutely. Um, well, on each one of our testing kit boxes, there's actually a QR code where you can watch a video of how that works. Uh, during your provider visit, your provider will cover that testing as well and, and answer any questions that you may have around testing and, and how that kit works. Uh, and there's also um, from our website, there, there's tools that you can download and, and view and, and share in multiple languages as well. So that people can access and instructions in English and Spanish in every test, test kit. There's also a cool. There's also a couple of cool blogs that I wrote that are up there that that speak specifically to uh, the disabled experience and some of the nuances of that. So if you're looking for if you if you are a physically disabled person wanting to try this, there. I mean, I I, I provided some resources for that. So if, if you're like, there there'll probably be nothing for me. Guess what? There is now. So it's on the website as well. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Um, Quentin Raspberry, do you have any final last thoughts before we say goodbye today? No, just again, I would like to just thank you and, and thank you for continuing to educating us and, and, and our commitment to serve our community and, and, and increase the quality of our care. And I look forward to, to really continue to push forward um, and, and, and creating health and quality for everyone um, through, through QCare Plus. And thank you so much for offering in-home testing and for trying to look at it from an accessible lens. It means a lot to 
to me as a community member who needs that support, and I'm sure others listening who need who need in-home HIV testing and STI testing are very thankful for for what you're doing. So I appreciate that. How for anybody listening, just so that we can remember, how do the people get a hold of you? How do they follow you? How do they support you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So QCarePlus.com is our website. Uh, so if they want to create a profile, access prep, just create a profile through QCarePlus.com. We also have our social media uh, platforms. We have Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all the things at GetQCarePlus. Cool. And I'll make sure that all those are on the, sh- on the in the show notes for today. Quentin Raspberry, the, the founder and director, yes? President. Founder, founder and president of, of QCare Plus. Thank you so much for being here today on Disability After Dark, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Give me like two seconds. I'm just going to press off. I got no worries. All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I was, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and shining a bright light on disability stories with me. If you want to follow all my work and see all my links and all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head over to my new website, aagerza.com. And all my stuff is there. My social links are there. My website is there. My podcast is there. Everything is there. And you can follow along with the show that way. If you want to leave a review for the show, please do so wherever you get your podcast. It really does help keep the bright lights shining on this show. If you want to support the show financially and get the show one day early, completely ad-free, as well as a shout-out on the air, consider pledging as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll shine a bright light on disability stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, Please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Cripple and Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2023.